happy birthday, Mr. Logan. And this is a terrible time for your birthday. <laughs> but we hope you smile and blow out the candles because this is your loved ones on fire. Ooh, I just have to say, if I was Logan, I would never, ever, ever look forward to my birthday ever, ever again. Oh, sh- for sure. Especially because it's an actual tradition that has happened several times. That's why he's on edge the entire issue. Of course. Welcome to the Ex Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm the birthday boy. Man, and we're here. We're back. We're recording the end of 2023 or let's I should say the end of a year and the start of a new year are always a wonky time for us because we take holiday break and then we go on our own personal break in the beginning of January. So we're back now. We're back. All that's done. I've read everything. Good job. Everything. What do you mean everything? Everything. You can't have read everything. I've read everything. He's smiling and I'm mad. What do you mean? Nothing. Nothing. Just messing with you. Just messing with you. Well, speaking of reading, let's talk about the books we are going to talk about today. We have X-Men Unlimited number 121. Wow. The Sabretooth War part one, Wolverine number 41. And Rise of the Powers of X number one. Rothpox! Wow. Yeah. A d- tumultuous three. turntable of events and activities and things that we will discuss soon. But first, there's news. News, news, news. 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 There's news. News. I'm Ben Parker. I'm the magic editor of the Daily Bugle. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Someone read Ultimate Spider-Man and is just jazzed about it. That's you. That's me. Hey, but that's not what we're here to talk about, even though I shared it in the story just before we recorded <laughs> Because I'm excited. I'm happy for my boy. Anyway, <laughs> the covers of issues four for Fatox and Rothpox are <sighs> out and able to be viewed for your eyeball pleasure. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Xavier on a bunch of dead skeletons and, and skulls crying. Mm-hmm. And a Moira versus Cyclops, center stage. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, what did that make you feel? The... Well, hmm. all right. So the Xavier one, it didn't really make me feel much. I was like, oh, that's a really beautiful cover. And it, it's very uh, impactful, all the skulls. But I kind of. We've seen something I've like this. I sort of fi- feel <laughs> like Xavier's destruction of mutant kind is like a staple in my personal mind. So go. it wasn't really like shocking. And uh, I have a hard time with my heart breaking for Charles Xavier. So sure, sure. it was more like, oh, oh. Oh, more death and destruction? Yes. Oh. Yes. And Cyclops v. Moira, that was just like a, yeah, get her. You know, it seems like an interesting fight, but it also feels a little bit more symbolic of like X-Men versus the inevitable future Mm. and not so much specifically Moira Moira and Cyclops. Yeah. 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 Good. No, it's good. It's metaphorical. Yeah. Bigger picture. Speaking about the bigger picture, Mm. there's a new Fall of X arc in Marvel Unlimited that started last week. Mm. Issue two came out this week. We won't talk about that until our next episode. But this is an arc spanning 20 issues of X-Men Unlimited. I think it's the largest arc that they've done. I don't know. I didn't 
I didn't count. I kind of passed out when we were okay. reading one of the last X-Men Greens. But 20, I think that takes us to the end of Krakoa. Wow. Okay, so thoughts on that. One, like, we'll get to it a little bit more when we're talking about the book. Great lineup. But, yeah, that great be, lineup. Yeah, That's very that. exciting. But one of my kind of notes about X-Men Unlimited was I'm so glad that these characters are getting... Yeah. This spotlight, but I wish it was Printed. a tangible book. Sure. And Don't we all? The fact that it's like 20 issues. A big old arc. That's a lot of issues. That's a print book. And it's got that's a freaking a title page now. Oh, yeah. Now. It's legit. Like, that's like kind of disappointing. They're, even though it has the vertical scroller, it sort of loses its uniqueness as an X-Men Unlimited story because it's so long and it's so seems to be so integral to the overall plot like i love x-men unlimited as a thing but i feel like it's strong suit are these little pocket stories you know that are like at max like six issues and even when it's six issues it feels too long sometimes yeah so hmm it's that's interesting mixed bag yeah Yeah. well it's 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 interesting because over the last few arcs x-men unlimited has elevated into Mm -hmm. something that is running concurrently with the Fall of X titles, right? And this feels like the final form of that evolution. It was like, okay, yeah, we could go, we could do a six. Yeah, we could do we could do a big old arc that's tying in with Firestar and mm-hmm. you know, we could do this other thing. And now it's like, no, we have basically a mini series worth of content. You think about a five issue mini series, four of those scrollers in an issue, I think the math. Yeah, I guess. It just feels like sometimes the scrollers feel like they could Oh, be They're like yeah, condensed sure. versions of longer issues, like with as far as like the meat that's sure. in them. Yeah. But yeah. I hear what you're saying. Like four of those is one issue. So mathematically, that does map out to a mini, I guess. Yeah, it maps out to a mini and it maps out time wise for how everything else is running. Just right? make have... it a mini then. Right. I'm saying those and are that... indigenous characters is getting sure. a spotlight with sure. a very like poignant core message about what that is that they're defending yeah Yeah. that's for sure anyway it's the proud stars we're going to talk about it when we get to it we've gone off the rails yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's no longer the news polaris unleashed you want to talk about the news we have some preview art of issue two of fatox with our girl in green our mistress of magnetism tearing things up and getting synced with sync oh some cool art pages exciting speaking about checking things out diving deep there is an article pointing out the easter eggs in issues one of fatox and ratox in case you missed some of the details some of the things something specifically about timely you know some other people we, we had posited okay is this about kang Victor Timely. Yeah, yeah. Some people had commented, is this about Timely Comics, the original name of Marvel Comics? Oh, great point. Interesting. Marvel themselves call out the town of Timely, which was in New Mexico as part of Battle World, a patchwork world made up of parts of alternate realities, debuting in a Jerry Duggan penned script. So I feel oh. like that is where they're pulling from this mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. A couple of the things, you know, you have the trial. Cyclops, fastball special, the message from Orcus and how it mirrors Xavier's initial message. Mm-hmm. The allies, Emma Frost's speech and how that homages a past speech that she had given. It, it, there's a lot. Yeah. And and a number of them for today's issue as well that I won't go into because we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, one that I specifically highlighted talking about Shadowcat's death seed. 
Ugh. Which I think we'll need some more context on as we get there. But yes, we'll get we there. Will. Yes, of course. Aha. Leaving mm-hmm. the tab open. <laughs> Do you have any personal news? I do. I have some personal news. So we went up into the mountains this year, as we do every year. And this year I couldn't snowboard. So I did some other things. I went to some coffee shops and I found this thrift store, which is like a magical thrift store. And I got this like shawl thing for myself and a pair of pants. I I bought the movie Center Stage for $1. It was amazing. I kind of watched it in the yeah, background. Yeah, Justin sort of watched some of it. And then we went back a second day and I was looking through the books and I found this book uh the one of the I guess original translations of The Hunchback of Notre Dame and the book was published in 1883. And, I'm sorry, 1888. And it was like so cool looking and like the, the art inside it was awesome. Like there's a few art pages. Basically, I have a friend who loves old books and books in general. And so I bought it for her and I gave it to her this morning and her face lit up. She was, first of all, she was just excited to have the book and she was like, this is a hefty book. And then I was like, open it and look at the publication date. She looked at the publication date and she was like, what? How did you find this? Are you kidding me? She Time was travel. so excited. And then I told her how there were a few other ones, but that was the only one. Like it seemed like they were a collection, but that was the only one that was like in good condition. All the others were falling apart. And then like this other girl walked in who also likes old things. And Steph was like, Sarah, look at this book Alicia got me. And I was just like so happy to have found such a – treasure in this magical thrift store and to be able to like gift it to someone and have them be so happy but like it just made my day yeah i love giving gifts ironically that tied into a book that i've been listening to Mm -hmm. and the story of victor hugo writing the hunchback of notre dame and how he had to force himself to lock himself in his room and actually complete the book because he spent too much time partying gallivanting really i actually told steph that story too oh, yeah. like when i gave her the book i was like and the craziest thing justin's been listening to atomic habits as his little morning reading it just happened to time out that that story and this book finding mesh together guess what my story also about vacation i got Whoa. to snowboard yeah you did i got to snowboard not to rub it in i'm not it's trying okay. to no, it, was, no. it was a whole week-long experience that we went back and forth with and talking about but i was i don't know i've I've snowboarded by myself before Mm -hmm. it's just not something that i normally do normally alicia's there normally i have my family is there my brother his partner Mm -hmm. we have friends that come up their friends it's a group thing group activity but i've done it by myself and it's it's like i don't prefer it but there are things i like about it Right. right i don't have to worry about what anybody else does i don't need a plan right i don't need to say oh we're going to take this trail to this trail because i don't care where right. i land up wherever you end up you end up i'm going to go up the mountain again and then go down so you don't I, have to wait for your wife at the bottom of the, right? the run <laughs> i saw the entire mountain on that last day amazing and i, I spent all my energy <laughs> i forsaked lunch it's just like no I, why would i lunch when there's more snow to snow when there's mountain to mountain yeah it was uh the other thing that popped out was interesting uh justin from no good comics mm-hmm. he has been posting about his box set of the one piece manga oh number one like the first <laughs> box set and so we kind of got in a back and forth about how much i've been binging 
the anime mm-hmm. and he's he's like yeah i started with the anime and then i went to the manga you should totally check out the manga I was like, I'm, already, I'm already considering it my guy don't worry about it it's on my list it's only in my plans it's in my cart i just gotta wait until i'm home to get it shipped but i'm plotting yeah, don't worry it's interesting because like i've been watching this anime i'm in like 260 something on a number of episodes every now and then alicia will check in yeah just because i'm watching it on the bigger screen not on my phone not on my tablet and right you know she's in the room and she she'll watch it has become if anybody watches it knows the character foxy <laughs> he has become a household staple and his laugh has become a subtle language between the two of us it's like it is for ridiculousness and plotting it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, we have a poll with two oh, comics in it. Oh, a poll, two comics. Hmm. Rodpox and Wolverine. I will say <sighs> shout out to Legion on Zoom who responded to this poll and said, Rodpox? That sounds like a medieval disease. That's freaking right. <laughs> Let's go, Legion on Zoom. I love it even more. That's just more reason to say, yeah, Rodpox. So, Rise one. Rotbox won. Yeah. What was the percentage? Um, 63. 86. Oh, shoot. Like, I mean, like, I'm not surprised. No, I just thought that the Wolverine issue was good. So it I was. thought, like, I mean, hardcore Wolverine fans might have. He still got a decent that. number of votes, too. 20 votes is six. Wait, you said 86%? 86% for 24%? 14%. Yep. 14%? That's how math works, Alicia. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that good. Numbers-wise, the numbers are not in the percentage. Got the it. number of people that voted for Wolverine, pretty good. Okay. But, you know, I don't think there was ever any question as to who was going to win that. <sighs> See? Well, sure. You're right, but also someone could have gone into the vote bitter. <laughs> So I'm like, Alicia, that we're going to talk about why she feels the way she feels and how we think about that when we get there. But first, it's X-Men Unlimited time. It's time to talk yes. to Tangie. Yes. Let's talk about that digi. That, that yeah, the digi. Exactly. Of course. <laughs> right. The other thing that we call the thing. Yeah. And so this official title page. Dude, what? Showing up in X-Men Unlimited. It's like, it's a real book now. Even more of a reason to print that bish. Yeah. Hope so. But it's all about the proud stars. Yeah. Excited to see James and John together again. Yeah, and I think that the idea of a reservation Mm -hmm. and tying like the historical element of, you know, takeover, colonization, Mm -hmm. destruction, genocide, like all of those things and tying it so strongly to characters who would have in their heritage also their families or they would have also gone through this and making them a staple in you know staying strong and and standing up for yourself is a really interesting and really beautiful story and i think it's really cool but i'm i'm also kind of sad it's like that they're not getting a printed book and then and then i hear the voice in my mind of people saying well it's not wolverine so no one's gonna buy it i don't know about that (laughs) i mean this lineup People would buy this, especially considering that this picks up a lot of threads from Giant Size Thunderbird. Yeah. I feel like this could have just continued that story in an yeah. interesting way that especially with the Steves on it. Right. And, and Danny coming Danny in. On, like, you throw Danny on that cover with the Proud Stars. Let's go. That's a team. I know. Cerebra. I don't care. But I know, she's here. But she's here. Great. 
And she's here, and so is a bunch of Orcus troops as they get a beat down from the Proud Star Boys, mm-hmm. threatening kids. Say, hey, the, the, the ultimate clap back to heroes is okay right. well if you want to fight us we're right. going to shakingly say that we're threatening these children with a gun to their head right denny moonstar shows up and pings each of them in the back of the head with her phantom arrows yes and i like that at one point she mentions how she specifically left some of them alive because yes. if you just kill them all then you don't have that group to go back and say uh we messed up we can't yeah. go this place yeah this isn't going to be as easy as we thought. Or even just interrogation reasons. Right. Or, you mm-hmm. know, something. Right. You got to get more information. I no love... one can talk to you when they're dead. Speaking about more information, vague references to Realm of X. We're just back. Deal with it. No explanations. <laughs> You're not getting an answer. Well, I like that she was like, well, it was a... It was a weird, it was a weird thing. It was a time. It was a Vanaheim. You know, Vanaheim's weird and Realm's... Thor was there. If you want to know more about it, ask me later. You can just read the story. We don't know <laughs> what happened or how we got back. <laughs> this was... Well, uh, and then we end with Cruel... Making his appearance. Which I don't know who that is. Yep. You've maybe seen him once or twice. Ah. He is an external. He was sacrificed in the creation of the external gate, the Arako gate, Mm. way back in Excalibur before uh, Ten of Swords. Oh. But that will be something for the next issue that is out this week, today. TBD. Written by Steve Fox and Steve Orlando. Art by Nick Roche. Colors, Yen Nitro. Letters, Travis Lanham. This is Travis Lanham. Edward III loved seeing Thunderbird in X-Men Unlimited. Been wanting more with him since his return. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is absolutely true. He was brought back in this huge statement. We did a whole mini about it to get the Elysium Fields. He had a couple, you know, like the stops and starts. He had the giant size issue. He had the reconciliation with his brother. Mm-hmm. And then he disappeared. Oh, was he like almost on the X-Men or we thought he might be? He was in X-Men Red. Yeah, he was actually wasn't yeah. He like up on the Araco crying in a bar or something. Yeah, yeah. Issue one of X-Men Red and it was all a ruse. He was actually through that title with, mm. working with Cable. So he's had a, a couple of appearances, but mm. I agree that I wanted more. Yes. I'm, I'm glad that they were solid, but I'm also really happy to see this cast of characters working with Thunderbird here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited to feel like he has a solid purpose, yes. you know, like he wasn't just brought back for the sake of being brought back, but that this story that's been seeded with him is is part of this larger narrative. Personally relevant, right? Yeah. It's not just, you're a hothead, please be a hothead on Mars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. One eye. With a general question from Barusu33. Okay. Bringing us all the way back. And we're not going to answer it here. I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to think about it. And we'll come back to it next week. Oh, next week. Next episode. Yep. Okay, hold on. I got to write it down. So I have it top of my list. So you guys might be able to hear my typing. You know nope. it's real. I'll cut this up. No. Okay, go. Early on, you both shared your top 10 characters. Have they changed through the era? And who are they now? I felt like that was a loaded question for amount of answer. Like not loaded like bad. Just that's a big answer. That's a thinking answer. I would like to say I don't want you to tell me now. I'm not going to. But next week. No, I know. But do you have the data on who my original top ten were? I mean, I can pull it. I that's what I'm saying. Is like I don't want to look it up before I answer this. I just want to say who my top. Like when I come up with the answer. 
I'm going to make my list of my top 10 and then I want to be able to compare it. But I don't want my brain clouded by that information. Barusu, do you remember yeah, what, what episode? episode was that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Barusu and I will have to have a side conversation. <laughs> and they also pointed out in Thanos number two, Tony refers to Emma as Emma Deer. Dot, dot, dot. Mm. Perhaps it is a real relationship. Now it is a real relationship. All right, good. I'm glad that you accept that. Because okay, if let you let me just throw this table out the window. No. I'm glad that you accept that because if you hadn't, you would be in for a very rude surprise in the next Invincible Iron Man. Preview pages out now. The people want reactions. Okay, here's what I have to say. I'll just say this now. We can get into the people's need for my flustering later. <laughs> I have been acknowledging that their relationship is growing on me. It was simply the fact that it was an, a rushed marriage at the beginning that I knew was not real love at that time. I rest my case. The defense rests. But they're not resting, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> You're talking about sex. Are you ready for the birthday surprise? The birthday surprise. Are you I mean, ready for I, this beautiful cover? I love this cover. I remember when this preview came out and I was just like, that is so beautifully crafted. I know that we know that proportionately their faces are probably not the same size as Wolverine is tinier yeah, than Sabretooth. But the just transition from Wolverine to Sabretooth and the Yeah. It's really it's cool clean. because you you think about these two characters and they have so much in common while also being so different. So the just the smoothness of this cover is just, it's so perfect. It's so great. So intense. Did you know that this was the most violent Wolverine story ever told? Not underlined for kids. Whoa. The entire story. The entire story. I mean, there's some pretty nasty stuff in this I know. issue. <laughs> it's interesting. And I bring it up here so that we can talk about it a little bit later. But Comic Extracts brought up an interesting discussion point about this tagline, about this this promoted piece of attention grabber mm. and the way that we are sensationalizing violence in this way. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. Right. So we'll talk about that later. But I wanted to bring it up to- It's interesting it. because it's like they want you to be aware that this isn't a comic for kids- but at the same time, that's enticing to children. Sure. To be see, like, see this on a shelf and be like, why can't I pick this up? Every parental advisory sticker ever right. on an album was the one I wanted just because you can't have it. Yeah. All right, let's give it a page. Turn noise. We're in Orchestation 5, prepping the plan, training the troops, but also providing a little bit of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't... We saw these preview pages and people were wondering what happened to Cyclops. Why is he Biclops now? Mm -hmm. Why is he ripped face open like this? And, and a couple other dead mutants all around him that caused some alarm and some question. But we are revealing the true happenings. Well, I guess that's a question that I have. So because they're they're are they in a different universe? No, no, they're in the they're 616. They're in the 616. And these are clones that Orcus has created that they are destroying? Or are these heroes from other universes that have been brought here that they're killing? I'm not sure who, who they're killing now, like in this fight. I, I think these are either clones or the, I don't think they're alt universe. I don't think that they would go back to these other saber tooths. The, right. saber, the saber teeth is what I've been calling them. 
I don't think they would go back to their universes to bring people just to kill them for entertainment. I, these must be clones or body doubles yeah. or just someone in like automatons or LMDs, you know, something that just gives us these are not. The yeah, they're not like our X-Men. Right. I just wondered because there was a reference to them saying, oh, the X-Men in your world are the hardest to beat. And so like, are these like. Well, so that's that's Victor's statement our 616 guy our, our capitan he's mm-hmm. saying that my mutants are the top mutants it's going to be a challenge once we go to krakoa the worst place in the world that's actually a <laughs> desert paradise that's been deserted right also interesting that one of the saber tooths can shapeshift sure right didn't know that you know like we're getting a little recap on the different versions of saber tooth and that is one that i we didn't really. I don't think we had any introduction to Camo in Sabretooth and the Exiles. That's where these characters are coming from. They were being hunted throughout the multiverse mm-hmm. by Graydon Creed, right. Sabretooth's son, in our 616 universe, in some weird teched up suit as he also decapitated a bunch of them, but was able to create some collar that made them still responsive. So Sabretooth now has an army of himself. With variations from various multiverses, mm-hmm. as you can see, we have the the pretty boy, we have the the lady. Uh, what is Seb, Sabre Bay? Is what uh, what Captain Two Michael called her? Oh my goodness! Uh, Captain America. You know, like we yeah. have these various versions all coming together, brought unified by their purpose of causing pain and destruction mm-hmm. to our friend Wolverine. And we have a t- title page. Sabretooth War, Part 1. I do want to call out the note. This story takes place after X-Force 50, which is in the future in publication, and prior to the fall of House of X, number 1, and Rise of the Powers of X, number 1. Mm. So we're doing a little time jumping. Just saying, this story is a little nugget. It's a little slice of time, so you know, hey, we're still going to use some characters in X-Force. And also explains why Wolverine, Wolverine is in the in the base that he's at in the the snow yep how he's everywhere anywhere all at once mm-hmm. written by victor laval and benjamin percy jeff shaw on pencils and inks for pages one through 11 Corey smith on pencils and Oren jr on inks for pages 12 through 22 alex sinclair coloring the whole thing and Corey petit giving us those letters Please left and right Lionel Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. making that epic side-by-side cover as we check in on the greenhouse. Mm. The note is really important for context, and I missed it on my first read, so that's why I wanted to make sure like, we, we put that into the conversation uh, yes. here. Uh, it also just helps placing how everything is working with this subset of mutants off to the side. Little baby cub Quentin wants to solve the Krakoa issue, but Black Tom tells him otherwise. Don't do it. I love the like you know, Logan will never say it, but you're one of his one of his girls. Uh I laughed out loud because we were just having I this just conversation. Said it. Quentin's one of Logan's girls and he doesn't like to be told that. When I read that I was the like, Omega. <laughs> right. But we're we're approaching Krakoa. What follow X is happening. What's that mean? Yeah, I Cloaks. think it's I think it's interesting that the 
like uh, so cool that Sabretooth and the Sabreteeth, as we'll call them, I like that, that they don't have any awareness of what's happening because they've been in deep space, but they were also in Orcus base. So it's interesting to me that nobody at that base was ever sent any information. Like there were no communications sent saying like, we've taken Krakoa or like, we're at this stage. So I don't know when Sabretooth and the Exiles ends... And they take this ship, this base, and leave and go wherever it is that they've... I don't know how much time has passed, right? Yeah. So when Sabretooth and the Exiles was happening, when this team formed up, that was long before any of the fall. So right. they, they might have no idea what's been happening. Right, but does Orcus know that that base is destroyed and that they don't have access to it anymore? Because if they did, wouldn't they put some kind of system that says if this ship ever shows up, it's not ours anymore? Like, it's just interesting that they didn't have any communication with Orcus or any intel from Orcus at all. But yet they can show up in an Orcus ship and mm. not be threatened at all by the Sentinels because the Sentinels well, are not like, worried. It's kind of like the conversation about Krakoa and every gate. Like it doesn't right. feel every gate. It, it, it doesn't know everything about every bit of its systems, right? So would they be tracking ships on an individual level? It being a, a prison base, I would hope so. Right, right. right. That's know, just, it's just an interesting, yeah. like, they're completely in the dark and so is Orcus. And so are the Sabreteeth as they cloak themselves going in. Mm-hmm. Dealing with this deserted island as incoming. Quentin slashing through. They've got a resistance to his abilities somehow, but also, hey, Wolverine, what are you doing here? I know this is your book, but come on. I yeah. told Tom. I got this. And uh, instant death to instant the death i mean and what is what what, what what since when do saber teeth just eat people all the time oh you know it's just kind of uh most gruesome we're just most gonna, violent we're just gonna rip him open and we're gonna I share mean, his guts like a family that was that was disturbing <laughs> that was definitely you know i i turned to that page and i get the cover now yeah and i don't know I mean that—that's basically what he was doing in the first couple pages right, with that cyclops, right? I didn't know this was like a thing we like to do as a saber. I mean, he's, he's a feral, animalistic personality that feeds into his deeper, darker cravings, and now is able to be a pack leader where those sentiments are shared across the pack. It just feels like everything is everything's good with what we're doing. We all agree with it. Yeah. Back in the North Pole. As we get this monologue about the the snowy side versus the sandy side and how I'm still ready to kill all the time. You get a little bit of a father-ish moment. Yeah, I think the family moments are cute, but even Wolverine brings up all three of his children. Where's Gabby? Gabby is nowhere (laughs) to be found. No mention. No, No, she's mentioned. She's mentioned, but not like a... Where is she? Right. What has she Just been like, up to? Is so, she alive? It's so Just... glad I got close to my children. Scout and where is she at? Bippy, boppy, and boopy. <laughs> I don't know which one's which or where they all are. Uh, but I do love that in his family moments that Logan is like saying to Laura, like, if it's not me, it's you. Like, let's just be clear. You're the next Wolverine in line. Yeah, sure. And like, it feels right. Like has this foreboding foreshadowing feeling he's aware. that he's going to die or like be gone he's aware of what's coming he knows what day it is right but like we all know that he's not going to be gone completely well sure but i think really what he's trying to stress is something's coming i'm prepared for it you all are not mm-hmm. you are 
being relaxed. You're, you're feeling as though it's safe. That's not what today is. That's not what any day should be. And that's kind of the on edge feeling that he's had for a while mm-hmm. in the safety of Krakoa. And now that they're fighting for this small bit of safety to continue, it's even more threatened because it's all they have. Mm-hmm. And at least there was a father son moment before death and destruction, you know? Sure. At least that happened. I miss Krakoa, even though most of the series I hated it and didn't trust it. But I just need to tell you, Wolverine misses Krakoa now. Mm-hmm. He has changed his tune. We have a little bit of reflection on how Sabretooth factored into Krakoa and Wolverine's life as a whole. A little bit of flashback to some of the past times, the grief that he's given him as Logan checks in with Sage. We've got defenses left and right. Logan knows something's coming. What is that thing? That he uses to project toward the saber tooth, like has this device and he shoots it. And at first, I thought he was like shooting the base, but then. So further on, yep. So we're entering the the saber tooth crew as they're I, I all caps. What's in this device? It looks like Quentin's energy signature. Mm. We don't see Quentin at all later on, yes. where we might see parts of people. Right. I believe that it is some utilized version of his power his head perhaps in the way that the peacock man and mikhail have otherwise manipulated that's cool that's a good yeah but it's a slow approach and they're very aware of the defenses that the greenhouse has even though sage and black tom are assuring everyone yeah we got this we are able to protect this small piece of land in a way that we were never able to protect the larger land of krakoa what do you not want to happen? You don't want Sabretooth Claws to come through your midsection and rip you in two. Well, sure, yeah. As Fang is feeling sentimental, actually sounds like he's opening up about his relationship and where they're all at, and then obliterated from the inside, ready for more. Here's Victor Creed jumping. I, I wonder how seriously we should take these deaths, just because deaths in comics. But, like, this is... He, he annihilates Fang here. Yeah. He annihilates him, and then in our last page reveal, Uses assembles the body parts to write happy birthday and in the who, ground. whoever this other mutant is that is with him is yeah. also just completely destroyed. Unnamed. No, the, the point I'd like to call out is like no, no visibly recognizable parts of Quentin are in this birthday message. Right. And I feel like that is important to say because of the power signature, because of the unknown. Also, no head of the other guy. So that was interesting. Mm. Wolverine's like, hey, bud, did you get the meat ready for everybody? Oh, shoot. Yep. Yep. It's my birthday now. And you see them looming in the darkness. Their eyes, their beady red eyes for the ones that have eyes glowing. Dun, dun, dun. Krakoan for next issue screams of the dying. Ooh. Ooh. What'd you think? Overall, I thought this was a good issue. Had some heartwarming moments, and I think he did a nice job of getting us set up to where everyone is at the moment and where they have been since we've seen them last. It was a really good setup issue while still having action. I had a few, like, oh, no moments while I was reading it or, Mm -hmm. like, about to turn the page, like, feeling afraid to turn the page, which is always a plus. I'm interested to see where it goes from here. And I, I have a question because up until this book, I had no idea that, like, Sabretooth ruining Wolverine's birthday and tradition. You know, it was a tradition. So 
Can you tell me anything about that as far as like how it ties into the overall story or is it just a thing that has always happened on Wolverine's birthday? Sabretooth likes to give Wolverine a birthday present in the form of heart-wrenching trauma. Okay, so he like killing a loved one or, or beating the snot out of him or just coming to greet him and and do a fun tradition between old friends. Yeah, this was good. Old friends. This is personal to all the characters involved. Sabretooth just seems to want to take down anyone. A mix of Krakoa, the council for his prison, but also old grudges never die. I thought the art styles went together really smoothly. We have two different art teams. Mm. One focusing on Sabretooth's story with Victor kind of leading that charge, Victor Laval. Mm -hmm. And then the other focusing on Wolverine's story and Ben Percy's side of the tale. Which I thought was a, is just in general a really interesting approach to this as a ten issue story, and having two creator teams in one book. Yes, it's cool when they get to when multiple creators get to come together with something because you're getting so many perspectives, right? And you know that Ben Percy particularly is a writer who really likes to work with his artists, so you're also getting like the artist perspective in there, and it's it's gonna I think it's gonna be a really well-told story. Yeah, I love how it plays off of Wolverine having been feeling lately and throughout the Krakoan era while delivering on the rivalry that has been oddly absent for the last five years of this Krakoan narrative. Mm. Honestly, this is the perfect story for Wolverine's 50th anniversary year, and I'm happy that Ben is able to see this through and to have Victor as his collaborator. You know, you have this ability to tell an epic birthday story relevant to a deep-seated tradition in his life Mm -hmm. during his 50th anniversary year of publication. It just feels really well-timed to then, I know later in the year, we're going to have a new Wolverine title, we're going to have a new Wolverine direction still happening in his birthday year. I think it's a really cool way to celebrate. Uh, In reference to the cover, there were a handful of pages that stuck out as why this might have been not for kids. Mm. And I wonder how that will fare and... That's an interesting conversation to have about sensationalized violence, right? Like, are, I think we assume people that read Wolverine are older readers. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we can say that for sure, but Marvel is staking that. I don't know what data they have on customers. Sure. All an interesting conversation, right? And and that was kind of what Daniel was getting at is, is this... Is this doing something to us? Is this just like, hey, kids, or hey, people, look at this because it's so violent? Or is that just because, you know, Ben and Victor have talked about how Marvel let us do whatever we wanted with this. Right. You know, we, we've got the not for kids sign on the front. Go ham. Explore yeah. what you want. These are two really violent characters, too. So is that is that feeding into our desires for violent stories? Or is that just feeding into the psychology of these characters? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like so conflicted in my mind. Like when you were talking, I was having so many conflicting thoughts because I agree that it is sort of putting this idea of this violent story up on a pedestal and it's glorifying the violence in a way. But at the same time, like this isn't gun violence. Sure. Like, this is brutal and it is disturbing that a character is ripping another character in half to eat them, but it's like it coming from the animalistic nature of the character and it's 
it's not gun violence, but that doesn't necessarily make it okay to be glorified. So it's... But I think it, to your point about it not being gun violence makes it feel not relevant to the human experience. Mm. And even to the point of saying that this is their animal sides really taking over right. for them. Like this is not... You know, knock on wood, not many people are are seeing this and thinking like, oh yeah, I could totally be Victor Creed in this situation. Right, I right. could I could make a tradition for my rival and and celebrate terrible birthdays yeah. like Victor Creed could. But that's why it's having like this cyclical thing in my brain of like, okay, we're glorifying violence, but are we also just saying that like, like is this more of a rating of you know, there's a lot of blood in here, so kids shouldn't read it. Right? Are we doing? it just for gruesome violence sake or is this core to the story and i'd say that it seems like it is especially resonating to the birthday tradition and how violent that has been over the years mm -hmm. and then taking it to a level that it has not been anywhere in the krakoan era and and allowing the creators to play in that space yeah yeah and i also think that like it's tough because the real issue here is the verbiage on the front of the cover the and most the way story ever told. the way that it that phrasing is really glorifying of the all idea time. but the story itself is not i don't know it does i don't think that they're mutually exclusive concepts if that makes sense i don't know what you mean so like the idea that the violence is so great that kids can't read it it's like they, they would probably see this stuff like Sure, in video I, games. In everything right. all the time, right? I think it's more about... Zombie shows. Or... Like, it's more like, this book is rated R. Right. And that's what they're trying to give you as the parental advisory, but the way that they phrase it makes it seem like, it's super cool violence. Right, yeah. But those two things don't live outside. They're... they're they are intertwined. Yeah. In the same way that, like, no smoking, but smoking looks so cool, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying, Quentin really living up to being the quote-unquote protege of Gene and a good host of the Phoenix as Morrison teased because he dies more times than all of the Marvel characters combined. <laughs> he does die a lot. He does. He does. Uh, poor Akiro, he can't escape being killed by other feral mutants, first Logan and now Sabretooth. Mm. You know, it's just once you have a, a character beat, you keep on playing. Yeah. It is definitely a concerning death for me, though, because of the questionable nature of resurrection right that's the part that i'm wondering how we got a couple of questions hinting towards that later on damascus blade says poor hero sad face but many saber tooth daddies and a mommy too and mm -hmm. i feel like this this crew of saber teeth yeah is probably the thing i'm most excited about oh, in this sure. story because of the energy coming out of those first two miniseries the saber tooth mm -hmm. and saber tooth and the exiles and how that's now combining into like ben is like i'm i'm doing my own rod pox right. and fod hawks i don't right. care i think it's cool too to see the dynamics between them and and one getting to see the different strengths that each of them have because of their different universe and their different like presentation but two like also the similarities like there's a couple times where one of them says something and then creed will be like we do what I say. And he repeats the exact same thing that sure. the other one said. And I just thought those were like comical moments thrown into this idea that like, I'm the me in charge of this situation, right. but we're all me. We're all me. And all the ideas were mine. Captain Two Michael is shocked from that happy birthday, but also Sabri Bay, <laughs> female Sabretooth is looking hot. What an opening issue. It was a great opening issue. Yeah. This is like, it's crazy to see Sabri Bay and to also know that 
Laura Howlett or Mm. Jane Howlett, whatever her name is, from Weapon X-Men also comes from that same universe. Oh, interesting. The same universe as Cyber Bay. Interesting. Interesting. Gilbert Rojo, 1022. Cheers. Finally, Victor is back and bloodthirsty is all hell. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're getting it. I it's, think it's like a little bit of like a, I've been on hold for all these yeah, years, yeah. and so I need to do- I got some demons to work out. Yeah. I right? got to do all the killing I would have done in the last five years. And that's a part of Sabretooth's character is that he cannot control it. He has mm. been- Xavier has tried to rehabilitize Sabretooth, mm. and he can't because of his past, because of the torment, because of the rages and impulses, mm-hmm. and- it's like animal instinct. It's like the idea right. that you shouldn't have certain animals like lions or wolves as pets because you can think that you're going to, you know, domesticate them, but they still have innate animal instincts and that they're just going to react in some situations right. and there's nothing you can do about it. Michael loves Mariah Carey. Wondering if Sabretooth really just killed X-Force and Fam. He feels like he should have read Sabretooth in the Exiles, the, the many victors. Really hits that point home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the big question is, did he just kill these two prominent members and, and a third like, unnamed character that we don't know? Yes. I feel like Quentin, Fang, and our mystery friend are all dead. The rest, I don't think, are dead. Yeah. I don't think that they're dead. I don't... Well, Yet. I, I'm just surprised because we don't have... An, well, we don't know. We don't know what the other side looks like. We don't right. know how we get out of this. So we don't know who comes back, who doesn't, and how that leaves things based on like where people were when they died initially. Or... Well, what's interesting is that we know that this is taking place. Like the, we know timeline-wise. You know? Where it's taking place, but it's taking place before fall. Yep. So if we see any characters in the fall of the House of X, then it's likely that they don't die. Here. Sure. Sure. Because how would they have been resurrected? Wolverine's safe. We all know it. Yeah. Jonathan Elvey can't believe Akira was killed by Sabretooth. Well, Sabretooths. Is there a way he could be alive? I think that that guy is pretty pretty definitely dead. Pretty dead. Uh, you know, I mean, I've seen, head? <laughs> I've seen Wolverine reattach parts of his body. I don't know Akira's healing factor in comparison. I would be surprised if that's how they find mm. their way out of that. You know, just kind of put the pieces oh, back interesting, together. interesting, because he has a healing factor. <laughs> what? Thinking of this, it's, it's stupid. Okay. It's, uh, the royal court walks up to the king and they say, Sir, we, we, cannot, we cannot put him back together again. And the king's drunk and he says, Let the horses try. No, oh, Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put up to Anyway, Fabio Zaccone's problem with this Wolverine story is that he suspects Quentin and Akiro's deaths will be reversed somehow. And I feel mm. like, you know, that's the sinking suspicion in every story in the back of your heart is that, well, if it's not going to be immediately at the end of this story, it will be before someone else wants to do anything with these characters so we're unsure and and that was the unknown of everything before the eggs right before resurrection i'm really trying to save like so many of my thoughts just tie right back to rot poxes ending yeah Yeah. and i'm just like alicia just imagine that that isn't a factor right now that's why i keep on dancing around that exactly, but we're getting towards it, and we can talk about it soon. Vaderino's <laughs> crunching the timeline. So this takes place immediately before Fatox, but after the last X-Force arc. It kind of feels deflating to see big names like Fang and Quire annihilated in this first issue, knowing 
they're still around in X-Force before this. It takes a bit of the fun away from both books for me. Like, if this had come out after X-Force wrapped, I'd probably feel less bothered, but not by much. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because things are coming out at varying timelines. Yeah. And so you're wondering, okay, so this, I'm just trying to place where this is in its order of events to then... You know, Largely, this feels like Ben saying, I still want to do this arc and have access to these characters, but this is how I'm ending the series. Right. Right. Because both stories, I believe, will end with issue 50. Mm-hmm. And that will be Ben's but cap on it. In reading this, this is happening after that. Right. Right. So we'll still get. Well, so that's what Vaderino is saying is that it's jarring seeing them die so viciously here in this issue and to know that we have however many issues left of X-Force where they're going to be in it and fine. It's like this coming out at a weird Got time it. point. Mm. Would it have felt different if they were released in more of a chronological order? Maybe. Are you ready to dive into the, the spicy, mm. the the curious, the, the, the future team? Look at that cover. Just look at that cover. It's a great cover. I went on a death seed spiral, assuming you'd be interested. But let's talk about <laughs> Sink, Shadow Tiger, Wolverine, AI Iron Man, and Captain Krakoa. <sighs> Just let the last page go for a second. It's great. And talk about the rest of the issue. Yeah, it's good. It's a good, it's a great, first of all, it's a great cover. It's, I have questions later. We'll get to the death seed situation. Um, you know, we had thoughts about like, is that is that Iron Man? Is that Emma Frost in an Iron Man suit? Is that someone else? So the idea that they have an AI on their team when they're battling AI is kind of weird, right? Feeling AI Tony has existed before. We have had a AI representation of Tony's intellect piloting an Iron Man suit. I actually mm-hmm. have an action figure about that. So yeah, that exists. Mm. I'm excited about it overall. Great. Here we go. Page turn noise. Plus 10 destruction. We are 10 years into the future. Emma defeated as the AI try to stay humble. Omega Sentinel has seen the mutants win. Don't get cocky, Nimrod. Mm. So I will say this. So many things. One, I think it's crazy but awesome how we start out like this. I remember seeing this image in particular in the the panel. Yeah. Of like a preview and being like, ooh, it don't look good for my girl Emma. But just like... Where we start out is so – it's upsetting because it does tie to the end. But it gives me like Days of Future Past vibes where we're like diving right into just the, the literal obliteration of the mutants and we're not sure what to do. But I do think that it's interesting like the way that Omega Sentinel is like don't discredit it just quite yet. I mean she's lived a different future, right? right? She has seen – this comeback and biter. It's interesting. The, mm-hmm. the things to call out the hunter killers, Nimrod references, Stasis's human resource brigade, mm-hmm. which we find a little bit more about later. Stasis mm-hmm. playing the long game. God day is tomorrow. Shout out to our letterer on this issue, Clayton Coles. This, this kick, Clayton Coles. this kick image mm. as he Nimrod kicks off I just love Emma's hand. I love I do that so often in improv where I'll vocalize the action that I'm doing to just <laughs> add another bit of flavor. Yeah. It's uh, fun. 
we're just getting sacrifices left and right in this issue also, right? We know Emma sacrifices herself for that moment. Then Gambit is just about to sacrifice himself. But first... That's a title page. The Rise of the Powers of X. Data Pages. Written by Kieran Gillen. Art by R.B. Silva. Colors, David Curiel. Letters, Clayton Coles. B.C.'s Clayton Coles. R.B. and David on the cover as well. I do love seeing R.B. back doing X-Men stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the the distraction was successful. We got it. Whatever they were after, Mystique and Gambit were successful and now it's time to get a little sentimental before the big boom yeah mama mystique letting her pal gambit know you were good for my girl right right now go ahead and blow yourself up blow yourself up as a distraction as some way to get closer to x to transfer the information to transfer the knowledge that was received that the other team was distracting so that they could attack so that they could get this you can rest now there's so many, like, I had goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, there's so many amazing moments here. Like, the fact that she's screaming, Irene, I'm coming. And she's just like, I'm going to go down in a blaze of glory to see my wife on the other side. Yeah, I'm going to destroy these sentinels as much as I possibly can. So mystique. As we get our team in the broken sword, which I love as a, a base name. Mm-hmm. That was the powers of ten style mission like wait first of all i shouted right here where's rasputin because (laughs) this this feels so much like apocalypse counseling the people as they return with Mm. the stolen data of nimrod's access files and and apocalypse is like for this i would have sacrificed you all right that's what they're fighting that's how they're fighting i knew i could count on you to bring back those hawks pox tie-ins it doesn't matter how many of them die as long as they achieve this because this is more important than your individual fruit it kind of recalls back to uh cyclops's rescue right in fathox and the fact that xavier pulled rasputin from that mission no this is more important if we do this we solve everything. We fix everything. Right. Well, basically, we're going to get the tie-in of our work. Right. We get name card intros and everyone else is dead. So. Well, what's a death seed? A death seed is something <laughs> that is given to an heir of apocalypse. It's, it's a celestial creation for mm. them to be imbued with the power of a death horseman. Oh. So angel to archangel. That was a death seed conversion. Later, when these were actually named and revealed and developed in Uncanny X Factor, mm-hmm. uh, Uncanny X Force, that's where they actually came from. You got the history, you got the backstory of Death Seeds and Life Seeds. You could understand. Okay, so this is our Kate Pride, having been internally changed and affected by consuming a Death Seed. So she's basically become a and horseman a, and a horseman of apocalypse, or could potentially be. An apocalypse of her own. I love it. Okay, cool. And interesting also that like AI Tony is there because Tony has died. I mean, 10 years isn't that far into the future. So it makes sense that all of them are still alive. But I like that like, you know, we have AI Tony. We have Death Seed, Shadow Tiger. We've got Captain Krakoa, which is Kamala as the Captain Krakoa. Let's go. And we got Wolverine. He just Wolverine. Honestly, so I've read a handful of interviews with Kieran. He was on CBR a couple weeks ago talking about comic book resources. <laughs> he was on AIPT, Adventures in Poor Taste Comics, talking about this week about Rock Talks. Mm-hmm. And 
about how Wolverine is just he's tried and true. If you see Wolverine, you understand where you are. You know, <laughs> I'm in an X-Men story and we're 10 years in the future. Of course, Wolverine's still kicking. Of course, he's still just himself. He's a thousand years in the future still alive. So he's fine. Ooh, we're going back to our robotic team. Our Orcus Forge. I just want to talk about the double crossing and the double crossing of the double crossing. In this Layers, issue. right? We've got Nimrod, Omega Sentinel, Moira, thinking that they're double crossing Stasis. But Stasis is actually going to go and double cross them with the Children of the Vault. But then also double cross the Children of the Vault. So it's got layers of reveals that's kind of working into what has been set up across the Krakona. The secret plot of the AI to betray the humans Mm -hmm. after they work together to destroy the mutants, right? So this has always been their plan. Has Stasis been aware of this the entire time? Right. Seems like it because he's been plotting his own back pocket right. hard to pull. So time sped up thanks to achievements and Omega's future knowledge. So they were able to do this normally in Moira's past lives. This would take a thousand years because mm. of Omega Sentinel's future knowledge from the timeline that she came from. They could do it in 10. They did it in 10. So they built a world mine, a world mind over five years. And then in those next five years, it's been working into Mars to then transform Mars, Araco, into this world mine holder of intelligence. Right. To then court a Dominion AI. Yes. And while they're super excited about what's going on, we have our friend Stasis who comes in and says, hey, by the way... Your plans are being foiled by the mutants. Well, I love before that Moira. I'm finally, I'm finally safe. Mm. I'm finally on the winning side. Like, what happened to you, girl? What happened? Yeah. Who did well, this to you? And it wasn't Hickman because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened? What is this? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't care. Like, sure. She, not that I don't care, but like she's uh, no. You need she, her to. character as of now is terrible and wants to be on the winning. That's her only motivation. Be yeah. on the winning side. Keep living. And I, I guess that that has always been a part of her motivation, right? That's been her ten lives of activity. Is how do I get to the side that gets that elusive eleventh life or gets that right? How ability do I to stay alive? Beyond right. It's just I feel like this is again underscoring the. Uh, the depth of transition from Moira X to Moira X point one E X. What yeah, is that? Moira I, dot EXE or. But I think that once it was established that she. I never gave up on it. Was a villain. I feel yeah. like it, it all makes sense. Like her, traje- her trajectory makes sense for the story that they have given her. Now. Yes. Right. Yes. So if you gloss over the, how we got from. Moira living lady to Moira robot lady and then you just go Moira robot lady to now yes that all makes sense I see that it's just the alive lady to robot lady that still doesn't feel right Mm, I don't know she was she was she was in a no place the no place gave her cancer she was deciding she regretted her decision because she thought that her decision was going to keep her living forever and it didn't kill all the mutants before she even knew she had cancer yeah, that's true. She was working on some stuff the entire time. The lie that she fed Xavier at the beginning. Well, that was all, right? one of her lives was working on a mutant cure, and she just she wanted to go back to that one. Yep. Human coming. <laughs> Stasis gives info on the other team and what they took. A Phalong imprint. So the mental information 
of Phelong who knew where someone was kept on Phobos. So that's the mission of our other team. That was what they were actually after. Emma right. was the distraction. Whoever was with Emma was the distraction. Mm-hmm. We want to get on Phobos and see your secret guy, but Stasis is also having his own secret time with the children of the vault. Right. As AI Tony is wiped out trying to save the team from a surveillance overload, this AI reaction stasis, his place and knowledge is kind of confusing here. He's definitely playing a long game, and we're revealing that as we go. Mm -hmm. They activate the world mine early to prevent what the mutants are trying to do, and there's some uncertainty if that if that's the right thing. But this one page of Stasis revealing his hand with the Children of the Vault, this calls back to Road to the Fall of X, the Four Horsemen of, or, or the, the Four Suits of Sinister, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. the Four Sinisters. He's standing outside of their base oh. in one of those images as he's kind of seeded into all of these points of human developing powers. Right. You see him at the creation of Captain America. You see him at oh, where right. the, the spider was about to bite Peter Parker. Right. These are this is calling back specifically to that moment in that double spread page where he's standing next to the vault in I'm so glad Brazil, I, South I, I'm so glad I have you in my life. You just really keep those stories together for there us. There you all. go. That's what you need. As we go to the fight on Phobos. The fight Shadow Tiger info and adaptation. The way that Nimrod is telling us this is how you're working and this is what I'm gonna do to fight it. Oh my it. god. Okay, there's so much death in this issue that when he was like, and your death seat is neutralized at first I was like, No, she's dead already. We just lost Emma and Gambit and Mystique, and then we're about to lose Sync. Like I was like, Con, we calm down yeah. for a no, second. No. Like I'm I'm all for the stakes of this issue, but like I need a breath. For just like let's just kill them every single one of them. It's too in late. The first issue. Kamala confidently talking to Rod. I love that. I love it. It's just kind of crazy. You're too late as Omega introduces the transformation to a world mind and immediate response from the Dominion as Nimrod. Hello, God. Hi there, God. What? I'm I'm glad to have at least sassy Nimrod back. Sassy silly Nimrod. Uh yeah, he's there. Stasis reveals his counter operations, folding intelligence into intelligence and then hyper aging it in the vault. Right. So you have the Dominion, which is AI supercomputer intelligence. Mm -hmm. What he's doing is taking all the uh, taking Cree world mind or, or Cree supreme intelligence technology and then folding that in with human intelligence. So taking the greatest minds of Earth mm. and creating his own version and then having that in the vault right so he's able to catch up to everything that the ai are able to do because of omega's future knowledge so he's able to do all of this stuff in the vault at a rate that they are entirely unaware of right it's bananas the move that we see happen is somehow the sun vanishes mm. And this is seen as a point for the X-Men to use as a distraction. Right. Something is going on with their creation of a Dominion or, or the courting of the Dominion, the existence of this AI Dominion. Right. It's seemingly been extinguished by whatever Stasis and the children are doing. 
as Sink, the MVP <laughs> over here, reminding us of Apocalypse, which makes me think Apocalypse has died. Right, which is makes sense why Kate is the new Apocalypse. Sure, in or, a sense. or heir to Apocalypse, right. yeah, in some sense, yeah. And just kind of going after, target is directly 523 meters that way. We need a shortcut, Kate. Fastball special. Throwing Wolverine into Mr. Sinister's trap I Here's what I have cell? to say. At first, I was like kind of disappointed when it was Mr. Sinister. I that was they like, were trying to rescue? Like, or? that's the secret person you you have alive. The, he who must not be named of it all is, is Sinister, Red Diamond Sinister. But then... You think about Sinister. No, and, not even that. Just like the fact that Wolverine just like immediately kills him. I was like, all right, good. Oh, <laughs> Well, so I was considering the fact that even what Nathaniel remarks to is that they're afraid that there is a failsafe, mm-hmm. that if you kill me, something will happen to my Moira machine, mm. something will happen to everything that I have been keeping together and alive, and that's why they're afraid. Wolverine does not have that fear. Right. Kills him immediately. He's like, whatever, man. That's not, I'm not here to do that. Let your Moira machines be destroyed. As everything is going down inside the vault, Stasis backstabbing the children tries to ascend, tries to take the place of what is so that that's this is the part that I'm a little mm-hmm. hazy on. It right? is it is a lot to take in. So the data, the the essence of the world mind has been obliterated by stasis in some way. Science, magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All of the above. And then he's using this unit to replace the shell of the Dominion with the assumed AI intelligence or computerized intelligence of the greatest minds of the world. Mm -hmm. What we know from the revealed Enigma plan is that he's just waiting for you to do this. Right. You're just going to add to his consortium of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so what Stasis brings to that is all of this range of human intelligence computerized in some way mm-hmm. as which no that's for late well it's it's difficult because he's outside of time and space but this also adds to the idea that he could be so intelligent as a thing that was created so long ago because he has outside of time and space he has access to all these uploads at any point in time whenever they happen right so he's always destined to be destined to happen and that's what we are revealing at the end is that they're fighting is how do we how do we prevent the creation of something that is always destined to exist Mm -hmm. can he actually impact things inside time and space as this creature and and being this dominion force outside of time and space right Rasputin comes up from behind and stabs him we love it very excited to see it but the flux date is I'm, I'm too late it's done the timeline is about to collapse Enigma ascends and takes the place of the AI god and also destroys Nimrod and Omega Sentinel. Yeah. It was a lot. It was like, it was a lot. And then we got to this data page and I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, I think my brain exploded a little because I was like, okay, girl, get your get your mortar board out. Make yourself a timeline. I was having Hoxpox flashbacks. Like, figure it out. I gotta tell you. I read this book twice. Mm -hmm. I think I skipped this data page both times. This is the first time I'm seeing it. I have no notes on this data page. I've never read it. We're going to pause for a second. Okay. 
can I say some stuff sure, before we pause? It. Essentially, what this data page is pointing out is that there are certain points in Moira's life, like Moira's lifeline is its own thing, while all these other things are happening and Moira's ability for her power to manifest and the Moira engine are such an integral part of Enigma's creation because every time she has a life more stuff happens and because of one of her lives Sinister is then able to have all of his lives from her resets and so all of the the Moira machine is a huge factor in Enigma becoming what he becomes and that then leads us to the end of the issue Mm -hmm. with where we have to go back to before her power manifests so this kind of takes everything that we've seen in hoxpox and inferno all of the the timeline of moira's life and then twists it a bit Mm -hmm. because you're adding in the a1 a2 or 10a 10b alteration from Omega Sentinel that seems to not have any impact on the ascension of Enigma. Right. You have the Moira engine and how that creates the possibilities for Orbis's ascension, Sinister's ascension, yes. Stasis's ascension, and even the White Hot Room and what right Mother Righteous Mother does. Righteous tries. So like all of that is is taught. Like you see the Moira engine as this central point. And so that kind of brings us to the conclusion of why Moira's powers are the reason that all of this happened. And that, that without Moira, technically, Enigma would not be able to succeed, even though he's destined to succeed. Well, without Moira, do we we don't get the opportunity for these other right. creations, right? So that, right. interesting. And seems to suppose that no place X exists outside of time and space, as does the White Hot Room, mm-hmm. as does Enigma. Yes. Look at me explaining a data page. Pow! As we get to no place X, the larger plan teased in Fothox, Xavier's work with Rasputin and time travel revealed. Mm-hmm. A whole team working on this plan outside of time. Yeah. And Doug is back. Doug and is I don't back. care about anything else. I just need a moment for Doug and Warlock to be reunited. It's not going to happen. I know. We'll see. Yeah, he's got no tech on his arms. No. And we have not seen any confirmation of Warlock's well-being. And it also made me think, so this is where Doug is the whole time, right? Like when Krakoa swallows him up, Krakoa sends him to the no place. And that's where he's been this whole time. I don't time. know that we know that. That's what I know. Okay. Me. Well, I don't know if that's confirmed. <laughs> uh, I... I'm not sure that inside Krakoa is the no place of where Doug was swallowed or if this is something else established by Xavier. This is Moira's no place that was transferred to no place X after Moira left it. Okay, but is no place Moira's no place existing in Krakoa is what I'm asking. I think so. I don't know because it exists outside time and space and I don't know how that would make sense for it to exist in a creature that exists in our 616 reality. Right, but the difference of like the creature versus the full island, you know, the part of Krakoa that walked away versus the part of Krakoa that was left behind is is semantics as to like what is Krakoa. And Moira's No Place did exist as a part of Krakoa. Right, it's, it's less about Krakoa the person versus Krakoa the island more about Krakoa existing in 616 in hard time and space versus this saying that it exists outside of it and that's how it's able to fight 
Right, but Dominion. but they say in this issue that the Moira no place is what that becomes the X no place. Where? Hold on, I have to find it. Oh. Uh-huh. In the data in, page. In the second data read. page that I didn't read. <laughs> what? I don't understand how these just didn't show up in my initial reading. They just weren't on my tablet. Neither of these pages were read. Yes, it does say everyone's very... everyone's in the comments like, who do you think the mystery two people are? It's like, I don't know what that means. I'm oh, just going to keep you, on and going. And I said that out when I was reading it out loud and you didn't react. And that makes sense because I was like, ooh, two more people who are redacted. At that point, I had heard or read all the questions. I was like, these these data pages are not showing up in my version. <gasps> oh. Now they are as I'm going through it in real time and have more work to do. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So they do. So they're saying that that is the same no place. That's why I think that Doug has been there the whole time. Well, so I still don't know if that because it says Moira's no place transformed and improved by Krakoa itself under guidance from Cypher's gift. It is developed to exist outside of time and space as much as such impossible to directly observe by an entity such as a dominion. So it was taken and then transformed and evolved in some way to yeah. be this tech-enabled space bubble. Yeah. I guess in my head canon, when Moira left, from that point on, Doug and Krakoa decided to do something else with this no place. And so then in the moment that Krakoa decided he needed to save Doug, the only way to do that was to put him outside time and space. And we shall see. where he's been. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, Rasputin and Xavier are talking about the final strike, the the contingency plan. They're trying to prevent the Dominion by potentially preventing Krakoa. The final contingency being to kill off Moira before she gets her mutant power. And that is our end page reveal that has infuriated Alicia. It is very, there's a lot of things. So the, there's this very specific, and Krakoa will have never been... And will never be. And I already feel myself starting to cry well, I mean, again. Like, so like, let's just take it as that is. It's the first issue of a five-issue series. I know. Are they going to actually give you the answer of what is going to be at the end of the first issue? I don't think so. Can I just... I just... You can say what I you I want to go through my overall thoughts really quick. And then you, we can dig deeper into this. So... It's tough for me because there's so much about this issue that I really loved. I loved how we were just thrown into the future and it was literally the last moments of fighting. I loved how it gave us the feeling of hope in an odd way because the AI is cautious of what these few mutants left could actually do and the slow reveal of who those mutants were. I loved the little surprises here and there. It kept me guessing the entire time. The art was killer, but I absolutely hated the ending and I know it's just the end of issue one so it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it will end but it makes me so mad and here's why one it feels like a cop-out you all work so hard to tell these stories and then you're going to do the one thing that I hate most about time travel which is just go back in time and reset everything two the sheer fact that it makes all of this to have never happened. Krakoa is beautiful for so many ways. Characters get fresh starts. Let's talk about Blob. Who does he become throughout Krakoa? Yes, he does kind of lead, stick with false leaders at the end, but putting that aside, there's so much character development that just gets erased. Iceman coming into his own as an Omega level mutant and all the other steps he took with like being comfortable with his sexuality and all of that. Kate, taking a place alongside Emma in the Hellfire Trading and then becoming Shadowcat. 
that's never going to happen. Emma stepping up into her place and standing her ground and, and being a mutant leader and not letting the boys push her around. Mutants with physical mutations, having a place they can feel safe and fully themselves. All of Arako, all of Maddie's arc, even Sunspot, right? Sunspot, for the love of God, becoming a character that I actually like and support through the storylines of what he learns on Arako. Gone. Character growth and development erased. I cried because that one line in a comic made me feel like the mutant family that I found and my own will cease to exist and just doesn't matter. And that honestly hurts. Like, I understand that you need to change things, but to say that we're going to take this bit of existence and we're going to completely erase it, so not only does it not matter what all of these mutants went through, but all of the growth that they went through, all of these years of continuity, they're not going to remember. It doesn't exist. It's so different than saying that we did something and they have this, they have these memories, they have these developments, but that's no longer where they at where they're at to go back to when Moira doesn't even have her gift. And I understand you may want to rewrite this retcon that Moira's a mutant or whatever, so she never becomes a mutant, but then you're literally erasing years of continuity and you're erasing like everything that I hold in my heart as my X-Men. They're not real anymore. Well, so that's what I'm trying to say by you're reacting to this as it's fact and it's going to be the end of this series. That's what you're, you are saying. They said it. It's going to happen. I like. I think I'm reacting from a little bit more of a place of, I thought that was how they were going to end it from the beginning. That they were just going to Moira their way out. And ever, I've, ever I since, even hated that as a concept well, that, for the reasons that I'm... Yeah, but it is a way to explore a story and then fold itself back in. Again, not saying that that's what's going to happen. We don't know. So we'll see how that plays out over the next five issues, how it plays out in X-Men Forever, which is the other piece of this. But yeah, I wholeheartedly agree that that would suck because it would erase all of those things. I just don't see that that being the ending. It just feels like it would negate the five years of continuity that have just been developed and would just be a big middle finger to all the creators and what the work that they had done. But also you think of like, how do you how do you find a way out of this very complex and niche point in story for the X-Men and how it relates to the larger Marvel universe? And that's what Marvel is wrestling with as a publisher, as a company that needs to make stories make sense with a full line of comics. So I, I, I would just say, hold on to everything's burning down. Well, it's not what it's easy to say. Like you could say, I don't know. I'm just like, Continue with what you were saying. I just think that you're you're at issue one and you're reacting as though you've just read issue five. And I think that there's a lot more that we don't know that's going to happen that's going to change how you feel right now. Yes, and I feel like if a time travel reset wasn't part of the plan, it wouldn't be introduced at all. Sure. I mean, it's definitely an and option. It's always been an option. It's just a terrible option. And that's why I don't think they're going to do it. They're not going to say, this is what we're going to do, and then just do exactly that. Then That's a boring story. That's not Karen Gillan. I just think even if that's not how it ends, saying that that's what you need to do, like it ruined the issue for me. That's where I got to the point when I was like, if I had gotten to the poll 
I don't know, like I don't vote in the polls, obviously, right? But if I had seen the poll, I don't know how I would have voted because that literal last page made me so angry that you would even like put that out there. It's like that's the idea is that we're just going to erase it all and it doesn't matter. It is infuriating to me and I understand. I know. Okay, I even like wrote it when I wrote down my thing. I know this is issue one. I understand they're not going to be like, here's the ending. (laughs) But it still elicited feelings in me. It made me very upset. And it really put a sour taste in my mouth about this whole thing. Like I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, if you are so worried as a publishing company or whatever, like if you're so worried, how am I going to get out of this? Then don't take the story in the direction that no matter what we do, there's no escaping it. Like to set up Enigma, to set up the Dominion, to put 10 plus years and we're exactly where we were before, to go through all of that and then to say the only way out of it is to erase it all, you're not really setting up much room for anything else to happen. Like you're setting yourself up to have to solve that problem. I mean, they've always had to solve this problem, right? This has always been what they were building to is how to fight the AI dominion, which is now finding it's not the AI dominion that they were worried about. It's some other force. If you were Xavier and his team, what are other options you would have to consider? And I think that that's maybe maybe like the the side of the brain that I'm reacting to is like, okay, obviously this is a logical option for them. Yes, I understand that in terms of yes, in world. Right. As but, a reader, right. Is that's how you're reacting. But from terms of like story devices, it's a it's a lame story device. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I just don't think that that's what's actually going to happen. I freaking hope not. Right. And and that is again, that's uh Often the trouble with real-time reviewing a comic series that has not yet unfolded, right? Because we don't know where it's going to go. We can review, we can ask, we can we can question, we can ponder, but we don't know. And then it's going to change in the next issue or two as other things are revealed, other attempts, as we go on this like side quest of X-Men Forever that fits in between issues four and five of Rise of the Powers of Ten, Rise of the Powers of X. Yes. I un- Yeah. I know what you're saying, like you, you, you don't know the ending, so it's hard to review. But at the same time, I think it's important to acknowledge how issues make you feel in the yeah, moment. Nobody's saying not to do that. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, put it in the place of the bigger picture. Like I, I'm, I'm only trying to talk you off the ledge here. Like I, I understand that you are furious with the end of this issue. I just, my comics reading brain tells me that that's not the ending of this series. I hope that it is not the ending of the series, but I almost feel, and maybe this is stupid, but it feels like a slap in the face to even suggest it. It's just, it it, it made me like slam the issue shot, put it down and start crying. Like, yeah. Honestly, I feel like it's here because it's the obvious answer and you never want to do, as a writer, you never want to go for the obvious answer. So this is the thing that like, Everybody from Powers of Ten on was like, obviously, this is how they're going to do it. Well, then they're going to say, well, yeah, here's what we're going to try. And then they're going to find the actual solution of what they're going to do. Do they bring Moira back from the past to confront her robot self or I don't know. Yeah. Stop Omega Sentinel from coming back in time. Right. I don't even know how they do that because she's in another universe when she does that. Right. Like, I don't know how that works. 
this is wild. It's kind of confusing. I'm glad I reread it, even though I missed the data pages both times. It's definitely a Powers of Ten homage playing outside the lines of time and space. It, fun to have read the interviews with Kieran and this about this title and, and then with Jordan about how the way that these two titles are playing off of each other, but they're very different from each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of disappointed that this is the move or at least the suggestion of the move erase Krakoa from ever having existed. But at the same time, isn't that what I was expecting all along? We were expecting all along as readers. And are they really going to introduce the ending in the first issue? I don't know. I don't think so. Nimrod kind of felt weird, like a joyful child, but I liked the gleeful. I feel like Nimrod's always felt that way. He comes and goes. He feels like that. He's, there are two Nimrods. But like Nimrod, when he thinks he's winning. Sure. Yeah. He is, is silly. I think I also just want to say like, I don't, I think I was getting flustered during that part of our conversation is because I don't need you to talk me off the ledge necessarily. Like I'm not going to stop reading the book. I'm not convinced that this is the ending, but I want to acknowledge that if it is and or the idea that it is been played with or toyed with really upsets me as a fan and that's of that's the reasons why and the fact that it does I think are an important thing to talk about and it's like also for me to process like and say them out loud is that that there's so much more to the idea of just completely erasing something than an easy reset like if you look at the the amount of just like LGBTQ representation that has been happening in the books and the bringing back of certain characters who have like bringing back of the Proud Star family, like that whole thing coming back together and like the creation of Arako as an entity, like yep. this just kind of grappling with the idea of like, this isn't just a reset, this is an erasure of so much progress. And if you're going to go back to before Moira's powers even come about then how much of x-men history do you lose because how much changes and that's what's like Uh, just upsetting that's the part that kind of breaks this as a theory is if you erase moira from ever having contacted charles you have a completely different x-men history because she is a character in the lives of the x-men other than just the bench revealing her past lives Mm-hmm. Right. So if you just take her off the board completely, you kill her before she becomes powers online, you change the 60 years of publication history. You mm-hmm. can't do that. In addition to erasing the last five years of specific publication. Mm-hmm. I just I guess like what I want to say is that like I understand that you are trying to comfort me, but I think where I came from in the moment was like, even though I know that this is likely not how it's going to end, I'm still allowed to be mad about it right now. I didn't get, this is likely not going to end this way from you. I got, this is how it's going to end and I'm pissed about all the things that we're losing. And that was where I was reacting from is like, I don't, I read that and was like, that's not the ending. That's fake. But we'll see. Cause I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not Karen Gillen. Nope. You're not. <laughs> But you know who's checking in? Gilbert Rojo, 1022. So time travel, sigh emoji. Alicia, are you ready? Question mark. I think I've already answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, J.A. Arbach author feels like Charles when Moira let him 
read her mind so much in one issue feels like powers of 10 all over again i agree it has it has hardcore powers of 10 vibes and i think that that's as it should what it should be and i i like that about it yeah Eagles Waterboy finished the new X-Men book with more confusion than when they started it. Yeah. I think that when I was reading it, I was reminded of going back and reading Hoxpox and also just like when you were first, when we first started the podcast and you were just like telling me what was going on. I think that when I went back and read it, I had to kind of say to myself, you are not going to in-depth comprehend every aspect of this like it took me until last week to understand and the sinister for the four sinisters to fully understand the technarchy right like you have to i think go into a story like this understanding that some of it is just gonna wash over you and the important things are the things that you really need to understand will stay as a heavy through line throughout the story and so you will still be able to know what's going on even if you feel utterly confused while reading it Mm. well mike loves mariah carey with the big questions first what the hell happened uh am i supposed to be totally lost with fall of x (laughs) because i mean fall of the house of x fall it even says does that say on the front fall of the house of x yeah yeah in the pot corner interesting and wolverine says fall of x Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the goal for any start of an X-Men arc is to right. ask all these wild, crazy questions and make you think everything's crazy and upended. Mike also loved the art and X-Men team, but I need mm-hmm. a wiki to what's happening. <laughs> Frederick Ellis Frazier is upfront about what he's seeing. Kill Baby Mora, erase the Krakoan era, back to Grey Malkin Lane. I don't want to go back. I don't think anybody does. I don't right. think anybody sees that as a satisfying ending. No. Blonde China screaming, Rotpox was everything, all caps. It aligned more with my personal expectations for the final run. And I think that's in reference to mm-hmm. Fatox. I'm loving it and can't wait to see how it ends. I saw a lot of people online like, oh my God, they better not erase everything in a reset. I agree. However, I don't think that'll happen. They're not going to spoil the ending in the first issue, right? Haha. <laughs> Who do we think the other two mutants are? Yes, that is also one of my questions. Hopefully our boy Manifold, who was one of my guesses. Yeah. Manifold and Legion would be... That would make sense. Both taken off the board because they were extreme powers and because they would be necessary for the final mm-hmm. battle. I think Magneto could also be in there. Magneto, yeah. We had a, and... someone re- recommend Magneto being an option. I think the thing that is kind of like a thorn in my side about the whole... They're not going to reveal the ending in the first book is like, what if they are? Because you wouldn't expect them to. Sure. You know what I mean? Like everyone would be like, that's not what they're going to do. They would never tell us flat out what they're going to do. Yeah, but like. But because they would never, would they? If you're the creators that have been shepherding this story for the last three to five years, is that a satisfying ending to you? Would you recommend that as the way out? Because they're writing it. Yeah, they're writing it, but they also have other people telling them what to do. No. Well, I mean, yes and no. They have editorial, but they're they're creating the end to this story. And there's some transition team of how I to I mean, play. I I hope not. I feel like that's a huge disservice to themselves. Yes. Yes. Michael Blade can't be the only one who thinks that they have to fix Moira by the end of the rise, right? So fix Moira. That's the question. That's if we fix her or we take her off the board completely. And, just and, don't like. I was just going to say, like, 
even if you went to like no matter what you do if you disrupt Moira's mutant power then you basically are still erasing Krakoa because Krakoa happened because of the future knowledge or past knowledge like the multiple lives and all of the things because then for a second my brain was like just go shoot her with the the gun the power stealing gun before she gets a chance to do all of those things but at the same time it's like go if you're gonna go back to any place like go back to the no place when before Moira turned evil and make her not evil and just kill her like once Krakoa is in existence and you just kill her then like it's fine is it I don't know is it fly effect alternate timelines right because you're still you're still having Omega Sentinel working with her knowledge that the X-Men technically don't know about right JP Dinomasso saw a cool theory on Twitter and wanted to share it so the theory goes that we are going to see in Rotpox, the other timelines that Destiny saw that occur after Judgment Day. So in that page, that double page spread where you kind of see the clouds going to different spots and then mm-hmm. ending. So far, we've seen the Red Diamond timeline, and it can be said that issue one of Rotpox is the Nimrod extinction event, potentially. This leaves two more, the Broken Sword and New Krakoa. So maybe the Broken Sword is the one where Orbis reaches for Dominion, and we are currently working towards the New Krakoa one in Fatox. Well, I think the Broken Sword might be this one. Well, so that's what I said. the station is called the Broken Sword. So I responded to JP and said that this being the Broken Sword, is that in reference to something else? Is that... You know, the Cerebro sword, is it the Mm. sword station themselves? How does Bran tie into this? Interesting. Mm. Do you think we are heading towards the new Krakoa timeline that we saw in Destiny's Vision? And I don't know. I feel like we are... I I personally feel like we're beyond Destiny's Vision Mm. because of her reaction after Sins of Sinister and the fact that there's so much more of the timeline that those were potential alternates not saying that anything from those alternate visions could happen in this couldn't happen in this timeline Mm. but that those specific branches were only caused because of where they were starting from and those starting points have changed Mm. interesting but judgment day still happened judgment day definitely happened so then those starting points happen at the end of judgment day Mm -hmm. so they they still exist the starting point of Judgment Day exists, but the timelines that they went to no longer happened because we went to Sins of Sinister, went back to just after Judgment Day and have started now on a new path that there's a lot more future to, as Destiny then realized. Mm-hmm. But if you went back to the same place you were before Sins of Sinister, aren't those options still in play? Potentially, but not equally distributed as these, because she's looking at all of the branch realities that Sinister is creating because of his Moira engine. That's Mm -hmm. no longer in effect, right? So all of those are potential, but we can't have every single one of those unless we're repeating the Moira. Warline tried to tease the lineage of AI Tony, who is placed in a clone of Tony, who... AI Tony Mm -hmm. was placed in a clone of Tony and died Mm -hmm. and then became AI Tony again. And his first death was because of Beast. Tony hasn't been lucky the last few times he was involved in X shenanigans. I mean, I appreciate the work to try to figure out 
where this version of AI Tony came from. However, there's nothing to say that Tony, who's married to Emma 10 years ago before Rise starts, doesn't decide to create a new one for this specifically. Sure, right. So I think... Did he create this or was this created? I think like you're missing 10 years of time. So it would be... You could you could get very frustrated trying to figure out where something falls within a bunch of time you don't know where it exists. So give yourself some credit, Warline. He's also wondering, why do you think the language changed from Inferno to here with the trickster Titan being referred to as a trickster Dominion? So mm. before, the trickster Dominion in this issue was referred to as the trickster Titan. And in the scaling of the powers of ten mm-hmm. uh, societies... Titan and Dominion are different stages of creation. Is that because the trickster Titan never ascended to Dominion status at that point, but would have otherwise if they had been successful? I don't know. I don't know if that was a continuity issue. Continuity issue or. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. He also wants to know who do we think are the two people redacted from. uh, He says, oh, yeah, from Xavier's team. Yeah, I think one of them might be Magneto. But I'm not sure. I think Manifold is a really good guess. Storm? Or is she? I don't know. I'm just trying to think about like key players. But I do think like... I also was trying to think about like if they're doing time travel, like would Magic be one of those people? Or mm. Blink? Or someone who can... like? Because I know Manifold, like you were saying, Manifold, he can teleport essentially communicate with the universe to fold space and time right so that seems like a good a good call but like same thing with traveling through limbo and how it is beyond that's what i was trying to think of like who can travel them places or has the smarts to do so the suggestion from vaderino saying it's betsy and rachel Mm. which i think is a good bet with them both being actively involved in other world things unsure how that fits into the beyond space and time rachel herself being mm-hmm. this nexus being the two of them and their involvement with dead x-men and how that is in communication with kieran and rise i think that has some weight to it for sure i'm interested because the lines for their name is so long right like cypher is much shorter Everyone's name that's listed is much shorter than the redacted space. And so it's like, did they just put a bunch of redacted space because they're trying to mess just, with you? Yeah, it looks like the full length of it. But yeah. Because they're both equal. Right. In size. But then the bio and capabilities are not. But like if it was like two words, if it was like Phoenix Gene. Hmm. Dark Phoenix. Like, you know, like something that's two words. Betsy Braddock. Yeah. Rachel Summers. Right. But they, but would they? Eat him fessy. Yeah. So that's, you know, is it trickery? Is it intentional? Is it both intentional trickery? Hmm. Pikachu wonders if we'll get to see Orbis Dolores's attempt at Dominion. And I believe it was said to happen in another timeline already. Mm-hmm. And that they have records of that. So I don't think that we'll see it, especially with Enigma appearing here, unless they flash back to it and... To, to really seed what information that he got from Orbis. He was the least developed in my mind, more just like a deep space mercenary that mm-hmm. loved the reveal. But I just feel like we didn't really get much 
of him after yeah. that. Yeah. He just kind of faded he, into he the background. He kind of died, and yeah. then that was it. How will the Moira plan fail since erasing Krakoa would be very unmarvel? As, uh, we want to know, okay, you've introduced this thing. It's going to fail, right? It's got to fail. I don't know if it fails in that, like, it doesn't work or that they, or it fails in that they discover another path right. along the way. Right, because that, what he's saying is this this should not be the route that Marvel is taking for five years of continuity. No, should not. Edward III really liked Rodpox more than Fontox and didn't expect that. Can't wait to hear who you think Xavier's other two members are. Sinister? Apocalypse? Resurrected Magneto coming in from that mini? I don't think it's Sinister. No, he's dead. And I don't think it's Apocalypse. Yeah, I think the note from Sync. Yeah. But then then that's a different time. Well, they're living outside time and space. Right. so. So could it be like who else did Xavier pull with him? Right, and then there's the whole, like, because it was in fall of the House of X that Rasputin got pulled away, yes. right? So there's nothing to say that she didn't get pulled away, go to the no place, pop into the future 10 years, kill Stasis, come back, go right back to the present day of the X-Men. Like, if the no place exists out time, outside of time and space, there's nothing to say that what Xavier is doing in that issue is not happening concurrently with what is happening in rise of x like those two things like he that team could be the constant that is between that is happening simultaneously between both issues also interesting to point out the fact that they refer to rasputin as their only field agent Mm. right so does that tell you what the other abilities of Mm -hmm. these other two characters could be if it was magneto i'd imagine that he He would would be be a field field agent. agent same with apocalypse and storm right Manifold. Wizkid's a good one. Manifold still makes sense in that aspect. Uh, Transport. How do you bring, like, are they trying to access the the white hot room? And then that was always the suspicion of those 250,000 mutants there. I guess that's the other question of the no places. If it exists outside of time and space, how does it connect to specific times? Right. Yeah. How are they even doing this? You know, who, who are their time travel tech? Is that someone on their team? Someone that can time travel in that way? I don't know. I'm just like zoning out thinking about who else <laughs> it could be that wouldn't be a field. And don't get too hung up on that because maybe they're just saving someone off the field so that they don't get captured. Or, right, you know, right, right. Rasputin is meant to be the fighter of them all. Jai Rivero bringing up the deep cut. Is that the same death seed Kate hid in AXM like 10 years ago? Deep cuts, Gillen. Ooh. And I don't know. I love that. Right? It would be great to see that that was something that Gillen is playing with. He references the fact that mining continuity has always been the game for Krakoa. That's Mm. always been Hickman's direction is to just pull those bits and reinvest them into the the line and you love that you love a good like connection i'm uh we the general you oh yeah all of us love a good connection to a past story because it it's intentional and it feels like care for the storylines of the characters that like those things that happened in the past still matter now yeah P-Stamp's memory is trash, so it's possible I just forget, but when did Kitty eat the death seed? And I don't think that's... <laughs> we did not see it Yeah, yet. I don't think we've seen that. I think that that happens in the 10 years. Yeah. And even he's talking about in that interview that I read, AIPTComics.com, where 
he's talking about leaning into where Kate was on her journey in mm. X-Men and with Shadow Cat and mm-hmm. Shadow Tiger. Shadow Tiger. Bruce 33 is wondering what the mission Emma, Raven, and Remy were on. I wish we got to see it. And so I think that that was trying to... Emma was the distraction. Remy, Mystique were trying to get that copy of Phalong. Yeah, they were like uploading something. So yep. like... It was data. It was data that could be con- transferred mentally mm-hmm. to Xavier. It was like Mystique needed to see it. So that Xavier could absorb Actually, it. no. They transferred that to Sync. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. But, but Sync is referred to as the professor. Right. Because he's he's syncing with all of these other people. Right, right. But that's old. where it's kind of like, right, right, right. And he's in the hover chair. The the flow chart was enlightening for casual fans. Would love to see more of those. Yes, uh, it was enlightening for people that didn't <laughs> see it somehow. Uh, Enigma is interesting. Is Enigma above the one above all? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. He's outside time and space, and I don't know. I think the one above all is also outside time and space. You know, if you think about like uh, Kang mm-hmm. in Loki, kind of sitting outside of the multiverse threads. Yeah. 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 We'll see. One more summer. Cheers. Rise of Powers of X delivers. God bless Gillen. I predict Doug is the traitor. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I don't know why Doug would be the one. He I don't seems... know. Doug's because cause something's wrong with him. He's kind of sassy. He like snapped at Rasputin and told her she sucked. And Charles was like, yo, Doug, pump the brakes. And yeah. he was like, oh, yes, sorry. I'm not like myself. I'm just sad. Ten years yeah. ten years alone without Bay or Warlock or Krakoa. Yeah. I mean, that it is, I think, interesting and does make me think that Doug is a little suspect. Sure. Sure. Reina DP calling out. The Terminator reference and the controversial end. Xavier sending Rasputin back to assassinate Moira. OMG. Uh, the Terminator reference was amazing. As Nimrod saying, it's like the Terminator had a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the fact that he has seen Terminator right. and, and associates that with a happy ending. Uh, and then obviously the ending of assassinating Moira is what is getting us all ruffled. It's a touchy subject in this household. Vaderino calls the majority of the book great, and I'm honestly really excited for the ending. We all know they're not going to succeed at that goal, but I'm curious to see what will happen. Who do you think the other two are? My money says Betsy and Rachel. They've been conspicuously absent, and they make the most sense from a kind of time-traveling mm. agents of sort. I wonder also if Colossus is in there, hmm. because there is a reference to him. Like, Peter would love this. Oh, right. But like, cause so they think he's dead. So well, that, he was that's in... the that's the sync team, right? But they don't know that. Like, I don't know if Xavier's team is known no. by the others. I would so imagine not. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, they think he's dead, but maybe he's working with Xavier's yeah. team somehow. The only reason I would question if that is because he seems to be a major player in Fatox, right? And him and Rasputin are like Similar. the same. Right. Ooh. That's it. That's all. That's the big ones. Uh, what's coming what's coming out this week? Hold your horses. We have got a handful of comics coming out this week. X Men number thirty. Mm. With High Evolutionary on the cover. Dun dun dun. All that blood. 
Invincible Iron Man number 14. With sexy pages I'm supposed to react to. <laughs> oh, it's been spoiled. <laughs> cable number one of four. Oh, four Cable and mini. Babel. Yeah, Cable and Babel teaming up. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, you don't care. It's fine. Yeah, that's it. Just All right. Easy. I think, cool. I think Dead X-Men is the following week. Mm, I'm excited for that one. I think it's, that's going to be, well, let's see. The following week is Resurrection of Magneto, X-Force. Whoa. And that's it. No Dead X-Men. No Dead X-Men for you. We'll see. Hold on. One more. Dead X-Men is the final week of the month with the next installment of Wolverine. Oh, man. And that's where we're getting down the rabbit hole. Oh, I'm going to go have some feelings, because whatever. Feel them. Yeah. But, you know, hope for better. Yeah, I just, I want to slap Kieran for Raven writing it. <laughs> Don't slap Kieran. We, he, Kieran's great, okay? We need Kieran. Love Kieran. He's leaving Marvel after this is over. Don't. He's doing more independent work. Don't do this stuff to me, Kieran. You literally ruined my whole day. <laughs> It was already a pretty crappy day to begin with. Anyway, until next time, old friend. Charles! Don't do it, Charles. Secret X-Men. You freaking jerk. Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the X-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 